Oh, hey, Rebels, it's me, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. However, and I say this every week, this is the internet, so just listen or watch, preferably, whenever you feel like. That's the beauty of being on the internet and not terrestrial radio or TV. Now, tonight my guest is my UK colleague, Lewis Brackpool, and we're digging a little bit into what he did before he came to us and why he came to us and what he plans to focus on next. It's very interesting, very compelling, and I don't say that just because, you know, like I'm doing the interviewing. I think I did a pretty good job, though. Now, if you like listening to the show, then I promise you're going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That, of course, is what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers, you lucky dogs, get access to my show as well as Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, David Menzies' fun Friday night show Rebel Roundup, and Andrew Chapados' show Andrew Says. And for all that, for all of that, it's only eight bucks a month. That's a bargain, and I love a bargain. And just for my podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new Rebel News Plus subscription by using the coupon code PODCAST. When you subscribe, just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And now please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Today on the show, we're getting to know our Rebel News UK contributor, Lewis Brackpool, just a little bit better. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. Asking people their opinion on vaccine passports. Did you have an opinion on it? No. No? Really. You think um, people like Mark Drakeford should uh, practice what they preach? Do you not think the passport might segregate society between the jabbed and unjabbed? It's quite easy to work out why Rebel News is not allowed to attend this conference. We are the organisation that asks the difficult questions and points out the hypocrisies of these world leaders and the mainstream media. But regardless of me not being allowed to attend, I'm going to still point out these hypocrisies, even if it means standing just outside the venue. There's a lot of people staring at me now. I've only been here about five minutes and there's blokes in high visits just looking at me and seeing what I'm up to. Behind me, as you can see, I'm at the dockyard where just above that is the English Channel and just further beyond that is Calais of France. Now the reason why I'm here today is Dover has consistently made headlines over the last year because the number of migrants illegally crossing from France has risen dramatically. Thank you, thank you very much, thank you. the sound of the British public wanting their freedoms back. That, friends, is our UK contributor, Lewis Brackpool. And when he started with our company, he really just learned how to run before he even learned how to walk. And 
That was completely necessary because the UK is experiencing so much of the same COVID tyranny and government overreach that we are here in Canada. Lockdowns, business closures, vaccination passports, all the while illegal migrants are just wandering right into the country unchecked. It sounds very familiar, doesn't it? But since Lewis joined the company, I haven't really had the opportunity to sit down and properly introduce him to all of you at home. He's been too busy working, which is, you know, kind of exactly what we hired him to do. So today we're catching up, and as it turns out, I learned a little something about Lewis at the same time as you do. So here's the interview. I recorded Lewis first thing this morning. Take a listen. Joining me now is our UK-based contributor, Lewis Brackpool. Lewis, normally when people join the company, one of the first things that we do, one of the first sort of things of business that we do is we, or at least I like to, have our new contributors on the show to sort of introduce them to our viewers, um, particularly our subscribers behind the payroll. Um, but you hit the ground running. So I didn't really have the opportunity to sort of slow you down, stop you and do that formal introduction. So I guess now that we've gone through the holidays and now that you have a Vax Pass in the UK um, and we sort of know where you're fighting, I guess, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. No, I really appreciate that, Sheila. Cheers. <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you, because I don't really know this, and I'm the managing editor, but where did you come from, and how did you end up with us? Well, um, I was originally, believe it or not, a flight attendant um, before this job, and I was with a company for two years, just handing out chicken and beef, you know, as they do. And um, I was doing that for a while. Coronavirus hit and was made redundant. And I had a choice. I thought I sat there and thought, am I just going to wimp around, do a nine to five or am I going to get up and uh, do what my passion is on the side? And that's politics. And I started on YouTube, was uploading about once, maybe twice every two weeks and for a year. And I saw that there was an opportunity at Rebel and I went for it a year later and here I am, your colleague. That's crazy. I, yeah. I, I'm sort of interested by your experience as a flight attendant when the coronavirus struck. Mm. What yeah. was your initial impression of the coronavirus? I even know, like I look back at myself over the past two years mm. and initially I was sort of victim to that Chinese psyop when we saw all these leaked images of people just falling over dead in the grocery store. And my initial reaction is China's awful. They're definitely lying to us. This is way worse than what they're telling us. Look at these leaked images. Um, and so I was, I, I thought it was a lot worse than obviously what it is. What was your experience as a flight attendant? So do you know what's strange? Um, obviously it's very clear what my view is now on sure the yeah. era, on the entire subject but back then um we i didn't know what to expect i didn't religiously watch the news at the start so when it hit when we started hearing about it in november the previous year and then we had our first lockdown in around february march sort of time 
Uh, when that happened, it was uncertain whether everyone would go back to work. We just thought that we were off for a few months or whatever, and then things were just two weeks to flatten back. the curve. Two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. That's it. Yeah, we thought it was just that, and everything will be back to normal after we've slowed the spread. But no, I think all of our sort of lives have flipped upside down since, and some of them are blessing in disguise, like myself. So I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not grateful that it's happened. That's not what I'm trying to say. But you know, when you're in a bad situation, you have to flip it into something positive. That's how you keep going in life. Um, but originally. Uh, when the lockdown was first um, implemented, I was actually weirdly for it because it was something new, brand new. We didn't know what was happening. And wow, I was wrong. And I can I'm so comfortable in saying that I was wrong um, for that. So, yeah, it, I was pretty pro at the, at the start because I didn't know anything else. You know, I, I'm really happy to hear that because there are a lot of people right now I think that's one of the problems with society. People people are so deeply invested in their first and initial assessment of this that they refuse to reassess and say, you know what, I was wrong, we got it wrong. Clearly after 22 or 23 months of two weeks to flatten the curve that yeah. we overreacted, we did things wrong. There's not a lot of that, particularly in the people who are making the decisions to continually lock down. There's not a lot of that happening, at least not in Canada. What's your assessment of the UK? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're completely right about um, the societal issue. People are so afraid to be wrong that, um, yeah, people bottle it up, don't they? And being wrong is like blasphemy almost in society yeah. terms. So, but I think it's important to address when you're wrong. Because that means that you're never going to be wrong because you'll always be right if you correct yourself. That's how I see it. Um, my assessment of the UK is it's pretty sluggish uh, at the minute with with all these rules. I think I think things are going to get worse still, um, but I think things can get better. The only way for things to get better is for people to just admit that originally you could have been wrong. Uh, put that pride aside and start focusing on what's going to happen in the future. I mean, we've got now vaccine passports. Uh, we've got potential restrictions that could happen. I still believe that we're going to go into another lockdown soon. Um, I think they're just delaying it. And yeah, people are worried. People are people are scared about what's happening. And um, I, I want to thank my uh, local conspiracy theorists for being right. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> It's a scary and weird time, but yeah, you've got to put your pride aside and focus and keep on topic because um, that's my biggest criticism, I would say, to the movement at the minute is they'll we'll start talking about vaccine passports and, you know, the Great Reset, which is fine, not a problem. I think it's a very important subject. But then the movement starts to stray into the areas of things like 5G and chemtrails. And if that was my biggest thing, I'd say just drop that and focus on the topic at hand. That's That would be my little criticism. Yeah, I think for myself in particular, I really don't care about the vaccines, except insofar that they really aren't a vaccine, but more of a therapeutic, <laughs> because um, what they were sort of billed as at the very beginning, oh, it, just get this, you will never get coronavirus. And now it's get this and maybe you won't end up in the hospital when you um, when you actually do get the coronavirus, because you're gonna, um, 
I really don't care whether or not somebody takes a vaccine because you know what? That's none of my business. I think that's one of the major casualties of the lockdown and the whole coronavirus pandemic is nobody minds their own business anymore. Somebody's medical treatment should be between them, their doctor, their family, if they so choose. It's got nothing to do with me, and it certainly doesn't have anything to do with my bartender. Um, but that's where we are these days. And yeah, you are right that there are, you know, people are really focused on the the conspiracy and some of those are conspiracy facts around the vaccines where I'm sort of over here where I want everybody to be left alone. If you want to take the vaccine, take it. If you don't, don't, but you yeah. shouldn't be punished because you don't. Sure. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you're spot on. I believe that as well. I believe it's it's all about body autonomy and choice. I think that's, that's the main thing. And that's, it's strange that it, it takes the right, to really hammer it in to say look yeah. this is what we fight for this is this is the main thing that we we want to focus on individual and civil liberty um and we've been saying it for for a long long time things like freedom of speech and basic human rights just as that and now look where we're at so yeah it's a bit worrying um yeah i'm under the same impression uh personally i think it's pretty out there you can you can find you know what my my wholehearted view is is on it i personally do not want to take it that's my own personal choice um, and i'm quite comfortable and open to that um, but at the same time i wouldn't go around asking people right you know, I think that's very important you know you don't ask you don't go around asking people for other for their other health issues so why should this be any different you know and um there are facts around the the vaccination and COVID in itself that that really needs to address that I'm sure we can't really speak about right now, but we will find the time. Um, so I think it's very important just to be a, be an individual and yeah. uh, you know not listen or cower to to people that are forcing you to talk about it unnecessarily. Yeah. Well, and there are people who uh, do fully believe in every conspiracy they hear about the vaccine. And sure. I'll defend their right to feel that way <laughs> about right. it all day long. They can think that it's the mark of the beast and I'll defend their right to feel that way, even if I disagree with them, depending on the day. Um, but, uh, you know, somebody asked me on Twitter, which is outrageous, by the way, that someone would even think that it was appropriate. They asked me how many people at Rebel News were vaccinated. Oh, and I said, no. first of all, even though I'm the boss of some of you, it's none of my damn business. But if it's none of my business, it's certainly not a stranger random on the Internet's business um, because I don't work for the Canadian government. So I don't care what our staff and employees do um, with their medical treatment. I'm not we don't have a vax pass. We're fighting the vaccination passport. And the reason one of the big reasons is because you're entitled to your privacy and uh, Again, that's been one of the big casualties that some random guy on the internet thinks that it's his business to ask how many of your staff are vaccinated and thinks that I should divulge that. Like, we're in 20 months, 22 months, this is where we're at in society. It's very strange. Yeah, it is very strange. And, and how personal as well. Yeah. It's, so, it's so weird. Like, I would <laughs> never go on the internet and start asking people about their, their personal um, 
<laughs> have you had a vasectomy when was the last yeah. time you're, you had a colonoscopy like it's nobody's business yeah. it's so gross no. and weird right it is so weird and you know i don't i have zero problem if someone if someone wants to take the vaccine people conflate this though because they see me now as this anti-vaxxer kind of guy and they see me just just because i believe in individual liberties that must mean that i agree with all the horrible things in society especially when it comes to free speech um now i think the problem is it's not the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated that's right. that's a media psyop i believe that's just one big operation to try and make people just be divisive against each other to bully other people to coerce people into taking something that they might not want and that's none of anyone's damn business you know and i think on top of that the biggest problem that both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated should um just put aside and come together about is the children i think yeah. that's the biggest issue now is children are being uh coerced and in some areas forced to, yeah. to take this um, vaccine and it's not only breaking up families it's just well it's sickening really you you can't expect a child um to be fully fully aware and fully know all the the facts and figures on on this vaccination because we're still in trial this is what people don't understand we're still in the trial phase still you know we haven't got the long-term data yet and you want to do that to your child like seriously, I mean, I'm not the one to come on and tell you what you should do with your your children. But at the same time, you, the JCVI in in Britain, the, the Britain's vaccination and immunization body have turned around to the government previously and said, do not do this. Do not give this or administer this to children because there is more harm than good that will come out of it. And they ignored it and decided to plow on ahead anyway. And I think that's extremely wrong. And it's the children we should be looking out for. Now, do you have in the UK, <clears throat> excuse me, the concept of a mature minor? So in Canada, apparently, well, I know this because I have a 15 year old daughter who's like, I need a second piercing in my ear. And I'm like, not till you're 18. And you, <laughs> you take yourself to the piercing place. Um, so kids in Canada, like, they can't get a tattoo, they can't vote, they can't get a piercing, um, but they can make a decision outside of their parents' knowledge if mm -hmm. a professional vaccinator, which which is so often not a trained medical professional, they're just someone who sticks a needle in your arm and says next, um, if a child basically convinces this person who's obviously pro-vaccine, um, that they are a mature minor, they can get the vaccine. And yeah. I don't know, do you have that concept in the UK? Yes, we do. We have something called the Gillick test. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's it's literally exactly what you you said. It's a type of test that um, the child can take to, to show whether they are mature enough and competent enough. Um, and that's wrong. <laughs> I personally think that that's really wrong. Because a child, I believe, just still hasn't ha hasn't got that mental capability to make that informed kind of choice, that sort of choice. You know, our brains aren't fully developed until we're 25, 25. 
Um, so seems about right. <laughs> seems about right, doesn't it? Um, I've got a 23-year-old son, and that seems right on the money. <laughs> sorry, I, if you, if your 23-year-old son's watching and heard that, I'm so sorry. Um, but um, th- this is this is the troubling troubling thing. So if you've got a parent who's very, very um, pro-COVID vaccine, not other vaccines, I'm not anti-polio, right? I'm not anti-hepatitis. I don't know where this came from. Anti-vaxxer suddenly now, yeah, oh yeah, I'm anti-polio. And bearing in mind, I was a flight attendant, so you had to be jabbed up to the eyeballs to to be in that job. So I know about my jabs, so don't you worry, guys. Um, But... (laughs) In terms of the COVID vaccination that's still on trial, and I'm going to keep saying it, it's still on trial. Um, children are vulnerable now, and they can develop some really, really nasty health conditions from it. So I think it's the parents' responsibility to wait. I believe I'm not going to tell you what to do, but this is my own recommendation from what I've seen and from what I've heard um, to wait and make them have their informed decision when they're at a certain age well and we're all of a sudden as a society pretending like cardiac events in otherwise healthy minors and young people is completely normal you see commercials now that are like oh you know this is what happens when a young person has a cardiac event and i'm like i've never heard of that except for kids who are born with congenital issues not kids that just suddenly manifest them on the soccer field or the rugby pitch um and they're trying to normalize it to the point where there's, I think doctors and like public health officials, they're struggling to find other excuses for these problems that are manifesting. For example, I saw the other day a study that says in young-ish men, I think the age range was under 40. So being over 40, that's kind of young. So um, it's, you know, maybe the sudden instance of cardiac events is related to cannabis and the recent legalization of cannabis in Canada and so they're like oh they legalized cannabis here and a couple years later everybody's having a heart attack all the cannabis consumers that age range it's probably the cannabis and definitely not that medicine that has you know cardiac events as a side effect um are you seeing some of that in the UK where um they're just sort of doing their best like scrambling for any maybe it's climate change that is causing oh, the heart attack oh you took it from me i was gonna say it yeah <laughs> it's the climate change one that i've seen yeah due to climate change people are having myocarditis yeah, yeah. okay that makes sense um there's another one that they've done you can look this up um they're gearing up for over three hundred thousand. they they put this out i couldn't believe it over three hundred thousand people are expected to have heart problems due to post-pandemic stress <laughs> that's their uh that, so it's stress now it's that's that's stress. causing all this inflation <laughs> yeah this inflation of the heart is now is now <laughs> because of stress Three they they're predicting so i don't know what what can i say to that um if if a politician can be paid off then i'm sure a doctor can as well now sure and i think that's one of the problems too is the doctors are not d- they're not revealing their connections to big pharma. I think we're seeing a replication of what happened with the opioid crisis where big pharma was telling doctors here, give this to people. It's perfectly safe. Here's, you know, a little bit of money for being the official opioid salesman in your community. Mm. And then when all is said and done and communities are leveled by opioids, they just sort of wash their hands of it and move along. 
Yeah, and to add, I think more people are dying of of opioid uh, mm-hmm. overdoses in America than they are from COVID. So I don't know, and that's a big farmer issue in itself. So yeah. can I say? And- and exacerbated by the lockdown, the isolation, the despair, the job loss, the, um, you know, constant friction with friends and family and easy money that the government yep. seems to just keep giving people every time they throw you out of work. Exactly. Exactly. And we're seeing we're seeing something um, quite similar here. It's not quite opioid crisis, but it's definitely some form of cognitive dissonance over here. <laughs> Now, speaking of over there, um, I don't want to take up too, too much of your time because you have a very busy day doing work for us and fighting for freedom. Um, What do you see on the horizon for the UK in 2022? Is it more of the same or are people finally going to see maybe, you know, maybe the Omicron sniffles are might, you know, make maybe maybe a lockdown over sniffles might be the wake up call. Like, what do you predict for the UK? Oh, okay, right. Let's. um. Let's let's clip this and see if I'm right. <laughs> yeah. OK, so I believe I believe there will be a revolt come to the local elections. I do believe that. I think a lot of politicians are going to have an, ha, have enough, uh, have had enough, sorry, um, from the Conservative Party because they're not conservative anymore. They're watered down liberals. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of them are going to say don't like the direction and a lot of them are going to defect. I do believe that that's going to happen. So that's one great news. Um, I believe that there there will be more restrictions coming in. Um, I couldn't say for certain what. I believe that it will be some form of lockdown or they'll paint it as, I, I don't know, like a circuit breaker lockdown that they've used before. Uh. Or, you know, they tried doing that once where they broke it up into different cities and towns. That didn't work. So maybe they might try round two on that. Who knows? Um, I believe that the Great Awakening is definitely happening. I believe a lot more people are are, are coming to the movement if you will, and the movement of anti-lockdowns, anti-mandates, anti-COVID um, passports, I believe that's going to expand um, to a bigger rate. I think I think they're going to roll out the fourth booster uh, here oh, in the UK. Goodness. Well, fourth booster, the fourth shot. I do believe that that's going to happen by the end of this year. Uh, I don't think they'll reach five yet. I think they'll wait at least a year for that. Um but I think people are going to start to realise, hang on a minute, this feels never ending. We're another six months into into 2022 and nothing's changed. What's what's keeping this going? What's keeping the circulation going? I think more is going to come out as well about PCR testing. I think that's going to happen very early on. Yeah. If the fact that, it, well, we know now that um, I think the media are going to start reporting on this soon, but we know that PCR tests um, are showing that it it can pick up just the common cold, yeah, and uh, and it's being conflated with um, COVID nineteen in general. So a lot of people are going to be questioning: Is COVID still in some form of circulation somewhere? That's the, that's the big thing. I'm not sure if I totally believe that, but you know there is a case for it. Let's put it that yeah. way. So a lot of predictions. I think I think there's some good and there's some bad here. I think there are going to be a lot of people across the world who are having the experience that Jordan Peterson is currently having, where he is saying, I took this stupid vaccine because Mm -hmm. the deal was you would leave me alone. Yeah. And now I'm locked down just as though I were unvaccinated. 
And I yeah. guess this is the um, the true we're all in this together moment <laughs> because the, yeah. the privileged medical class is all of a sudden not so privileged anymore. I think there's going to be a lot of people who are saying, I did my part. The government is no longer holding up their end of the bargain and there's something bigger going on here. I think there's going to be a lot of that. And I think that's going to be a global thing. I agree. Completely agree. And God bless John Peterson as well. You know, again, like you said off the top of the show, it's difficult to admit you're wrong. But it mm. is it, to see somebody like Jordan Peterson say I was wrong. It makes it OK for a lot of the normies to, oh, <laughs> to say it, too, and to admit it, too. Um, one wow. last thing before I let you go. Um, in a post-COVID world, let's say COVID never existed. What would you be doing for us? What would you be focusing on in the UK? That's a good question. That's such a good question. Um, I think immigration is a big problem as well. I think over 27,000 um, illegal immigrants came over into the UK as of 2021. And uh, Pretty Patel has not done anything about this. Um, so I would be focusing on that. Uh, usually, I think it would be illegal immigration. Um, I believe men's rights as well is a big part. Um, men's mental health is a massive thing as well. Huge. Um, it's a huge, huge thing. So that would be another another subject um, that I'd pursue. Uh, there's lots and lots of different things. And it might be just um, it might be just election stuff within the UK. But those are the two main focuses um, that I would do if, if COVID wasn't here. And then just having a general opinion on uh, on most things like most commentators do. Well, you know, here's to a post-COVID world where we can unleash yeah. you into the realm of government accountability. Lewis, <laughs> thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show and answer some of my questions and tell us a little bit more about us. And I look very much forward to what you accomplish next in the UK. Thank you very much, Sheila. And thank you for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. I truly think Lewis is the right guy for the job and he came along at the right time and he's got the right sort of open mind. A willingness to publicly admit that you got something wrong is such a rare quality, but I think it speaks to character. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.